you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 50 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you for your prayers for me and my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall of the Fourth Watch Radio Network. And thank you for continuing to pray for me as I look for a new job. Many of y'all have told me that you're praying for me, and I am so encouraged by that. Well, before I get into the show notes, I just want to tell you about a new single I have called War. It's available on CD Baby and iTunes, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd check it out. And if it's a blessing to you, please consider leaving me a positive review there. Thanks so much for that encouragement and support, guys. Well, today we're getting into episode 50, and thank you all so much for your great support to help me get this far in this podcasting endeavor. And in episode 50, we're beginning a new series, a series on the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus details the character traits of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And today, we're beginning that series by looking at what it means to be poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is going to be a great episode, so I really want to encourage you to prayerfully listen as we look at humility and being poor in spirit. Well, if you're blessed by today's episode, I really want to encourage you to leave a positive review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. Doing so will greatly help me out, as well as uh, reviewing my new album, which is also on iTunes in different places, this new album called The Shadows EP. If you've listened to it and you like those songs, please do me a favor and head over to iTunes and leave a positive review and rating. And also, if you've read my book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, please head over to Amazon and also leave a rating and review there. That will help others so much and me as well. If you want to contact me, you can go to my website, philsbaker.com, and you can find my uh, email contact there, which is email philsbaker at gmail.com. I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Fall's Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And if you have any questions about this episode or any episodes that we talk about or maybe an ethical question, send me or BDK an email and we will be happy to answer your question on Ready With An Answer, which we do once a month. And finally, the early Christian quotes that I use can generally be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which you can purchase for $5 on the Scroll Publishing website. All right, well, let's get episode 50 rolling. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. 
Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them all. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of talk in our society about being blessed. Athletes, entertainers, they always say that they're blessed. But what does it mean to be blessed by God? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus says, Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word blessed is makarios, and it describes a believer in enviable or fortunate positions from receiving God's provision which, or favor, which literally extend or make large his grace. This happens with receiving or obeying the Lord's inbirthings of faith. So basically, God gives us grace for faith, gives us grace to obey. And when we choose to obey him, God's grace is made large. It is grown in us, as 2 Peter chapter 3 would say, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, this word blessed is talking about people who are seeing that command happen in their lives. They are growing in grace. And the first way that people grow in grace in these Beatitudes is by being poor in spirit. Now, I must say the Beatitudes, what that means, it's basically the characteristics of a citizen of heaven. This is what someone who's an ambassador of heaven will look like. These are characteristics. So let's think a little bit about this term poor. This is a word tokos, which means to crouch or cower like a beggar. Literally, someone who is bent over and figuratively, someone who's deeply destitute, deeply impoverished, completely lacking resources or earthly wealth, helpless as a beggar. It relates to the pauper rather than the mere peasant, the extreme opposite of the rich. The first characteristic of someone who is poor in spirit is someone who deeply understands their spiritual poverty. You know, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, this word sinned is hamartano, 
And it means to miss the mark, to do wrong, to sin. And you could think about this like someone shooting an arrow at a target or playing darts and trying to hit the bullseye and missing the bullseye, missing the mark. Now that can be uh, just uh, an egregious, horrible thing or just failing to hit the standard. But we need to know what the standard is. And the standard, he says, is failing to hit the bullseye of the glory of God. Well, what is the glory of God? What is that definition? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. So Jesus is the bullseye. So how well have you done walking as Jesus walked? See, it's one thing to compare ourselves to an earthly standard and say, oh, I'm doing better than my brother or I haven't messed up as badly as my father. No, no, that is not the standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. And when we compare ourselves to his life, his faithfulness, his love, his compassion, his honesty, his purity, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we realize we're... (laughs) Just saying falling short, it doesn't quite do the trick. And so Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he's talking to, to the Ephesian, to the Ephesians, particularly to the Gentile people in the church of Ephesus. And he says to them, hey guys, remember that you were at that time before they knew Christ. They were separate from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Wow. Let that sink in. That apart from Christ, we have no hope and we are without God in the world. You know, Jesus tells a great parable about this uh, about someone who understood their poverty of spirit and someone who didn't understand that. In Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, Luke writes, And Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was not even willing to lift up his eyes to heaven. But he was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to understand, it's easier to understand a definition, not by saying what it is, but saying the contrapositive, basically something that's like polar opposite in one sense, like the negative version of that thing, like Venom to Spider-Man or something like that. So let me give another example of the opposite of being poor in spirit, as in someone who would be rich in spirit. You can find this in Daniel chapter 4 concerning the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had seen several examples, very clear examples, that God is God. Yahweh is God, and his gods were false. In fact, he had seen a very clear example that he needed to repent of his false religious practices and repent of his pride And yet, he didn't change his mind yet. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that terrified him. And again, he went to Daniel to seek out the interpretation. And this is what Daniel said, starting in verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the King, that you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field and you be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it upon whomever he wishes And in that, it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree. Your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Well, all of this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon, the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. And while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you and you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realms of mankind and bestows it upon whomever he wishes. And immediately, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled And he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. 
But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason, my sanity returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at that time, my reason, my sanity returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of heaven for all his works are true and his ways just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. And so here, In this story, we see the second aspect of what it means to be poor in spirit. It's not just being spiritually bankrupt. That is definitely an aspect of it. I have no hope without God, but it's also humble. It's humble. Tertullian, around 200, wrote about this idea of being poor in spirit, and he said, Blessed are the needy, the poor, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No one assuredly is poor in spirit unless he is humble. And so this idea of humility carries with it this idea that I have nothing without God. I am no one without God. I have no hope without God. But it's also Confidence rightly placed. Confidence rightly placed. Not confidence in myself. Supreme confidence in God. That God is who he says he is. God does everything that he says he does. God keeps his word. God is all-powerful. God is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is present. Supreme confidence in God. And one of the ways you see this aspect of being poor in spirit, this this humility, this rightly placed confidence is in the story of David and Goliath. Starting in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 24. When all the men of Israel saw this man Goliath, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter 
and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Skipping to verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and Saul sent for David. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Now, pausing for a second, it would seem like David's a pretty cocky kid. Like he's a little bit arrogant, a little bit too big for his britches, as my, uh, my dad would say. But hold on. Where's that confidence coming from? Let's continue. Verse 37. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now jumping to verse 41, as we could clearly see, David's confidence was not in himself. It was in the God, the Lord God of heaven and earth. Now, verse 41. So then Goliath, the Philistine, came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. And Goliath said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Goliath also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So, let me ask you today, what 
is your Goliath? What is that giant that is opposing you, that is taunting you and mocking you and trying to belittle you and trying to provoke unbelief to rise up in you, trying to provoke pride to rise up in you? What is your Goliath today? Is it a particular sin issue? Are you facing corruption at your job or in your church? Is it a relational issue? Something with a spouse or a relative? Is it an addiction? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Whatever it is, Jesus has a remedy for you. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Humility. James 4, 6 says, Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The main key to unlocking special, additional grace from heaven is humility. Think about it with the tax collector who wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, but just said, have mercy on me, a sinner who went out justified. Think about Nebuchadnezzar. As long as he trusted in himself, as long as he was trying to be his own savior, he was driven deeper and deeper into that addiction in one sense. Deeper and deeper into that pit. But as soon as he lifted up his eyes toward heaven, acknowledging that he was not in charge, but that heaven ruled, his sanity was restored to him and his throne was restored to him. And think about David and Goliath. All of David's brothers and all the thousands of men of Israel did not have correctly placed confidence. But David, David's confidence was not in himself. David's confidence was in God. And because David had rightly placed confidence, because David was humble, a special outpouring of grace came that day with just one smooth stone launched into the giant's head. The giant came crashing down and a massive victory came for David and the Israelites. So the first defining characteristic of a citizen of heaven is being poor in spirit. And who models this characteristic for us more than Jesus, the ultimate ambassador of heaven. 
Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. And Paul elaborates on Jesus's humility and the results of that humility in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, when he implores us to have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But for this reason also, God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every Name, so that at at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. God bless you. I just want to find you, Lord. I don't want to gain this world. I just want to find you, Lord. So come for me, come for me. I just want to find you, Lord. I don't want this broken world. I just want to find you, Lord. So come for me, come for me. My
seek us, you save us, you make us, your family, you seek us, you save us, you make us, your family, you seek us, you save us, you make us, your family.